You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined by Matt Kendrick. Um, Matt, how are you? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, life's good other than the villa. I mean, they ruin everything, don't they? <laughs> I think Ty Bracey tweeted, games played five, uh, weekends ruined three, weekdays ruined one. Uh, so that's when it is ruined now. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I said this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and somebody said, this is not a great start to a podcast to entice people in by saying, I don't know what to say. But I've always got some kind of rough structure where I, I kind of want to take these. But as the time was ticking down then on that intro from 20 seconds to 10 to 5, I was just sat there thinking, oh, I did a big sigh and I thought, I don't know how to start this. And the way I'm starting this is this waffle. Yeah. Um, and the longer we can go on without talking about Arsenal 2, Aston Villa 1, probably the better. Yeah, just um, talking to you before we came on air about the the poor lighting, uh, and it's almost as if I fade away a little bit, little bit more with every defeat. <laughs> so people who don't like me, you know, another few weeks and I will just disappear. I think shrinking <laughs> oh, away. You do look very yeah. grey wherever that room is when you're right. You, you look more grey and grey as the weeks go by. But I think that's what, just what Aston Villa does. I think my face or my hair will just the, hair. just just the, the picture generally is very very just dark. And persona. Yeah, and they're making me feel pretty grey to be honest. Um, oh, Dan. <laughs> I mean, well, we're laughing. It's not funny. You know, people saying that we, we don't care. We're not taking it seriously enough. But what what can you say about it at this point? I suppose you could say losing to Arsenal is no no shock. I think me and John did a little catch-up um, this afternoon before we headed to the Emirates. And I think 90% of the comments were we were expecting a defeat tonight. Not that there's any solace to take in that, that we were expecting a defeat and we got it. Um, and then it wasn't probably as bad as some people expected. I think I said 4-1 in my prediction. So I just thought, yeah, like they could batter us in theory. Um, and I will think the same again about Man City. have won 6-0 tonight and Haaland's got consecutive hat-tricks. So probably the first player ever in history to get three hat-tricks in a row, won't he, on, on Saturday? But we'll think about Saturday later. Um, okay. Well, hat-tricks in a row by Saturday tea time or Saturday <laughs> evening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, you probably look at that as 2-1 and think, oh, that's all right. We were probably, that's, that goes down as not a bad result. And we'd probably all t- taken 2-1 before before kickoff. Uh, you know, a low defeat, keeping it. But it wasn't that kind of game. It was, first half was poor again. Uh, I don't know how much analysis we've got to go into it, really, apart, apart from just saying it was rubbish, like, and, like we've seen all the way through the season so far. And then that kind of weak backbone, that weak mentality of scoring and instantly conceding is is diabolical. That's the third time this season now after Everton, which we we, we could have quite easily thrown that game away and we'd be on one point for the season. And Crystal Palace going ahead there early and then that should be a good foundation to start the game. You score early against Palace, a good place to go and, and get ahead. And uh, you throw that away and then same today, you get back in it and at, at 1-0 and we're, we make the changes finally. Sorry, I'm waffling here. Well, I mean, those changes should have come earlier than they did. But you kind of think, but yeah, we're still in this at 1-0. Like, if from, a, from a performance perspective, we're not. But the scoreline says we're one goal away from getting something and then we get it direct from a corner again, which we'll talk about in a sec. And we instantly throw it away. And that, that's, there's pause, no way to defend that. That's that's weak. That's, that's yeah. yeah was, I don't there, know. was there a question in there? <laughs> no, no, I'll just, I'll, I don't know, just take this wherever you like. Um, The result, 2-1. You know, we, we're clutching at straws now, but... Two one is probably good for gold Not quite the mauling that we uh, that we thought we were going to get. Although it probably was a mauling in everything except the scoreline. Mm. Uh, I invited a mini pile on after fifteen minutes by saying this is more like it in terms of tempo and spirit 
and people were like, well, we're not really setting the tempo. We're just kind of chasing the tempo, which mm. is, is a point. It just shows that we our, our expectations have dipped in terms of what I, what I settled for as progress for the first mm. 15, 20 minutes of that game. And that was that the players looked like they were putting a shift in, looked like they cared, looked like they are putting the foot in, some tasty tackles going in. But I've been thinking about this. You know, That's the bare minimum, though. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. That's the minimum requirement. You know, if you can't do that... How are you playing professional football in the in the first place? But you know, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to dig out the captain because he, he can't be feeling great after another poor performance and after finally being, I don't know, substituted last minute on Saturday, but being being substituted for the last twenty twenty five whatever it was today. But I think Villa are almost kind of epitomising a kind of out of form John McGinn at the moment. In that, yes, they'll they'll chase. Well, tonight, today they, they, they were anyway. Yes, they, they will chase and they will put themselves about, but is there really any kind of plan there? Is there really any kind of, you know, calmness about what they're doing? Any kind of structure and any kind of pattern and any kind of real thought and intelligence about what, what they're doing? I think it sums up it sums up McGinn. I'm not just picking picking on him tonight, but I thought that that, that was Aston Villa tonight, that, that they looked as if they, you know, they couldn't be fought with efforts, I don't think. But over and above that, what were they trying to do again? Yeah, I think it's generous when you say the first 15 minutes. I thought first 10, maybe first five. I thought, you know, like you said, getting in, trying to win some tackles, a few fouls in there, but at least you kind of maybe go there and disrupt the crowd a little bit and, and show that you're going to get in the Arsenal players' faces. And I, I was starting to think, you know, I obviously think I've got to do the podcast tonight. I think I'm thinking, well, okay, maybe this is going to be slightly different today. Maybe we are going to try and be a bit more direct and a bit more aggressive, but that, that soon fizzled out to be, we were just chasing Arsenal. We were chasing their shadow, shadows. It was a bit like the year sevens against the year 11s at, at lunchtime and the year 11s ping it around and we we're just chasing them and, and just trying to get to get whatever we can. And if that's a, an iggy foul or whatever, then you just kind of think, okay, well, we've broken up playing. We, we go again. There's still no any semblance of a plan or an identity or system or whatever you want to call it. It's just very basic stuff that we can't get right. And I'll say at the start, I can see straight after you score, somebody in the comments there just said that's a concentration issue. But... Premier League footballers. That's the third time in five games that's happened. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we just weren't weren't good enough against them again. And it was like, yes, we can come come bursting out the traps and snapping at the heels like a like some angry greyhounds if you want. But we were playing against kind of thoroughbred race race horses, weren't we? Race horses. That's such a word. <laughs> there's, there's, there's two crap analogies we've had so far already. Yeah, yes, I'm, 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 I'm 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 I mean, my passion's here, mate, but I've got no. Uh, I've, got I've no actually got a third that I've, I've nicked from a, a Facebook comment I saw earlier. It was a bit, quite a long comment, but they described uh, Villa's kind of the foundations of the side as a meringue, which I quite liked. That you can kind of flash it up with a bit of flashy fruit on the top or some nice double cream, but the, the basics and the foundations are, are crumbly as soon as you started to, to dive in, which I thought I like that. Yeah, don't turn me to comfort eating, mate, at this time of night. <laughs> Trying to shed some weight. Um, yeah, I think it was... It's bigger picture again, isn't it? We've got five games in. We're second from bottom now. We've got three points from 15, which even the most optimistic Villa fans would probably struggle to, to mount a case from that being any more than three points from 18 um, come Saturday evening. Leicester's got um, a game in hand as well, by the way. Leicester are 20th at the moment play tomorrow night against yeah, Man United they, so if they beat Man United we'll be bottom come Saturday yeah and it's probably 
fair. Well, it is fair because that's yeah. you know, we're the, the, we're the worst side in the division. However, you want to dress it up. I watch. I don't watch loads of football, and again, I'll get this thrown at me sometimes, saying you're a you know, sports journalist, so you're supposed to do a podcast. I don't. I watch Villa, but I'm not. You know, if there's a game on, I'm not glued to it. There'll be people that watch every single minute of every single game that's shown on BT, Amazon, Sky Sports, whatever. I watch some games here and there. And every game I've seen so far that isn't Villa, I watch Leeds against Chelsea. It's in a couple of Newcastle bits, and every time I watch somebody else that isn't Villa, I think well, they're better than us. There's nobody that uh, Forest against Spurs. I thought they were good, even though they, you know, they've been battered uh, tonight against Man City. But I watch everybody else and think, well, they're better than Villa. So, st- st- you know, you can get whatever stats you like. I'd say watching the team's performances, five games in, we're the worst side in the division. Yeah, I mean, listen, we'll watch Villa with an ultra critical eye anyway, won't we? Yeah, but, yeah. But, <laughs> <not> rubbish. <laughs> even 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 neutrals would have would know that that's that's a team that's struggling for form, it's struggling for a plan, struggling for confidence, um, and it's you know it's another I don't know it sounds sounds very dramatic and very bleak, but it's another challenge, it's another perhaps nail in in, in Stephen Gerrard's managerial coffin. At mm. Villa, um, I don't think you know unless unless we we get um, has any has any manager ever been sacked on transfer deadline? <laughs> transfer deadline day before. Um, I don't know. I can't see it happening. Definitely not, not this side of the weekend, anyway. But, but then that's like, that to me that suggests that the board think we're going to get something against Man City. If you if you're not sacking for poor form, if that's the, if the reason why is we've not started the season, whilst we're going to sack him. We'll lose against Man City, so why even wait till the weekend if that's what they want to do? I don't know whether they want to buy themselves some thinking time or what. I don't know. Who knows? Only they know what what's going on. But they can't have been impressed by what they're seeing. Um, like I said, I don't think them emerging from the Emirates today with zero points would have come as a massive shock to anybody. Mm. But at times, it was a little bit like probably the the kind of fake encouragement that I took from the first ten or fifteen minutes. Would probably be the same if you're a, you know, if you're a conference team going to the Emirates in the third round in the FA Cup, and you put a, a plucky, a plucky first 15, 20 minutes, and and you know that that was it, wasn't it? It was trying to trying to kind of match them for intensity, but never looked like matching them for quality. Um, and without kind of Douglas Louise's party piece of just pinging the ball in straight from the um, straight from the corner quadrant. I don't think we looked like scoring, did we? Bailey had a little kind of raid second half. Um, I might as well have had his deck chair out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that corner thing, it's a good little trick to have up your sleeve as a bonus. It should be that you can still create things and, and, and do well, but you think, oh, we've got a corner here. You know, a corner is as good as a goal if you've got set pieces, and it definitely is as good as goal if you can swing it straight in from the corner directly. But that should be a bonus to, to your armour already, not the only thing you rely on. It's a good thing to have. He's done it in training. He did it against Warsaw. Uh, he did it in the league the other week. Was it the cup? I can't remember. My mind's blown. Yeah, he uh, he's did done it again points. tonight. Yeah. yeah. So it's good. It's good to have that. But if that's our only route to goal, we don't even get many corners. I think that corner was one of our first or second. The one that came before it that he took, I almost tweeted like loads of laughing emojis going, what a pathetic corner. And by the time I started to write it out, he scored the second one. So I thought, oh, I'm glad I didn't tweet that. But if that's your only thing that, you, that you're going for, basically, again, it's just it's just poor, isn't it? I don't know what, I don't know what else to say about it. Finish it there. Oh, somebody <laughs> said earlier, you might as well have replied the, the Palace, or Bournemouth, um, Palace or Bournemouth podcast. And I, I almost thought if I'd have started a bit more time, 
I'd have got the clip from the the Bournemouth episode and started with that and seen how many people noticed that it was an old episode, just so we could have a couple of minutes to ourselves. Um, but we are just repeating ourselves. And I think I said a couple of weeks ago, the podcast will be like this until there is a managerial change, if there is one. Either, the, either Gerald gets sacked or he suddenly turns it around like that and we start playing well. And like we said last episode, there's nothing that, I, that gives me any optimism that it will just click like that and we'll start playing well. If we beat Man City somehow and then you get something against Leicester and maybe Southampton and then you've got an international break to regroup, you, you, we, we will look at it and go, okay, there's something there. It, we finally click. We finally look like we, we know what we're going to do. Nine sons, what do you want? You want a what? Well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> get him in. Let's have another opinion. Um, Not better than to kind of upset me. <laughs> but what I, the, the point is, I don't. I, there's nothing that suggests that that will just suddenly start clicking. So the only alternative is that he'll get sacked at some point, and the podcast will be this cycle of where do we go from here? Oh, I don't really know what to say. Round and round we go. Yeah, it's it's Groundhog Day again, isn't it? And I, I felt some of the, the jitteriness and it's an Arsenal look like they've really got their act together, don't they? They look like a really good team. and You know, they look like they've got a bit of heart about them now. The fact that they conceded to us against the runner player and then went roaring down the other end and scored straight away. So, you know, it needs to be taken in the context of Arsenal look like, say, the real deal. I'm still not convinced they're going to mount a title challenge, but I think they've, they've got a strong chance of, of nailing the top four finish this year. Yeah. But the jitteriness reminded me of the some of the end times of Dean Smith. It might have been the Southampton, his actual last game, when I think um, they scored didn't they, after about... Um, after a minute, I think Southampton and then Villa looked really, really nervous and really panicky. And I think there were signs of that again, almost like this team just needs something. They need some leadership or some confidence or or a plan that they can believe in. And they just look really ragged and really, mm. really nervy and really panicky. Uh, and that doesn't bode well at all. It certainly doesn't bode well when you've got the kind of... Um, <laughs> Erling Haaland, who's absolutely licking his lips at the prospect of, uh, of playing Villa on, on on Saturday. God, what what a, that what a cruel, cruel fixture list! Aren't you yeah. saying that we could play somebody really terrible and still not go into the game with any any expectation of getting a good, solid performance and a good result? Hmm. This is what we were saying. There's you know losing against Arsenal has come as no surprise, and no other will the Man City game. There won't be anybody that's expecting to go and win there. Someone just laughed that I said that we'll beat Man City. I'm very clearly talking about a hypothetical scenario that's never going to happen. Um, so yeah, it's, it, we would just go round and round in circles. Apparently, Gerald's been on to BT Sport just now, giving into saying that yeah, he was asked whether he was worried about his position, and he said yes, of course I'm worried. Is what somebody in the comments has said. I don't know whether that's an, an exact quote, but. Yeah, damn right, you should be worried <laughs> because why would why would these ambitious owners who have spent millions of pounds trying to assemble a side over the last couple of years, even before Gerard with some of the players we've still got, why would they accept being nineteenth at this point when this was the season that we were supposed to push on and bridge the gap to at least the top half? When I say nineteenth, with Man City's come and you look at Southampton, Leicester as easier games, and you could quite easily still get turned over in every single game we play because the system is not right personnel isn't right I did start writing because I've been working tonight so I did start tapping up some notes on Slack I don't know why but I put no backbone so many gaps in midfield full backs off and nothing shambles and then I stopped writing so I thought what is the point why am I even writing notes down yeah I mean that's where we're at 
Gerard worried about his position. You know, he should be worried about eleven more positions as well um, on his team because he, he just looks so dishevelled at the moment. And I think you're right. Why would owners tolerate a relegation battle when all the mood music has been that this is a Villa team that want to get those big European nights back? And they've not downplayed any of that with with can't say they I mean you, you barely hear a word from from the two owners so mm. I'm not saying they've been going around giving it the big end but the, the sense that we get um and the proclamations that come from the club um suggests that, that that Villa Villa's ambition is to to get back to the top table as quickly as possible and almost that the project project progress or project steady progress that was built in you know getting in the Premier League, consolidating the Premier League, sorry, getting in the Premier League, staying in the Premier League, consolidating the Premier League. Almost that that skipped a couple of steps and now it's kind of top six, top seven, keep up with the ambitions of, of the manager. So judged against that, it's an epic fail. It really is an epic fail. Five games in, and we've spoke about this several times. I've only been on a couple of podcasts so far this season for the for the home games and then and then tonight. And I feel like I'm repeating myself already, but it's not just results. me being on every single episode. Well, yeah, well, it's <laughs> not just results. It's a sense of, you know, when do we get a sense of purpose? When do we get a sense, an idea of what this what this team and what this manager and what his coaches are trying to achieve? You know, he, he finally tonight made perhaps a couple of the changes that, that we'd, well, I say a couple of changes, probably a change, that we'd craved in well, a couple because he's put he's he's put Bailey and and Buendia in there when we've been clamouring for them because they've been the kind of the bright hopes and given signs of encouragement. But has he put them in there? You know, I suppose it's typical fan. This he's always kind of demanded something and then then been wise after the event. Has he put them in there in the wrong the wrong situation? Did that game need another midfielder in there? Did it need Louise in there to bring to bring some control? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of, uh, you know, I want to say about the depths of despair because we've been been over this ground with, with with Aston Villa several times before, but I am getting really really frustrated that any time we see what we think should be a glimmer of hope, it gets it gets dashed, it gets mm. um, gets ex- extinguished as quick as it arrives, and it's just <laughs> it's exhausting, isn't it? This is kind of the point I was trying to talk about a couple of weeks ago about feeling like disengaged with it all. That I kind of feel like if we if we sacked him tonight and they had a new manager in, whoever that was, there's part of me that would feel like, well, I feel like I even can't get that excited about it because I need to see some kind of proof of proof of the pudding. That well, you know, you absolutely would if they yeah, won two games. Yeah, of course, I will. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that that is football, isn't it? That's being a football fan, but. How many false dawns do we have to go through before we kind of finally settle on something that's going to work? How many more managers do we have to go through or signings and think, right, this is the one, this is the time when things are going to change, only for it to never change and always be the same? Will the next man be the, the one to change it? Will, will we be here in another 12 months going, oh, Graham Potter, Pochettino, whoever, they didn't work either? I don't know. I don't know. Are we, are we kind of just destined to go on this kind of... Or boom, boom and bust kind of roller coaster of optimism, then disappointments mm, all the time. I mean, that is mid table, but we should be better than that. Yeah, well, mid table, mid table, something to strive for at the moment. But oh, absolutely, I, think, I just you know, and we 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 see teams, don't we, that have with with less 
smaller clubs with respect you know look at the, the Brighton example because they seem to be kind of flavour of the month for obvious reasons at the moment but will we ever have the laboratory conditions to build a Brighton because as soon as we look like <laughs> we're capable of doing something we all get super excited and we all think we can get it straight away and then that increases the pressure First, I'm not I'm listening I'm not I'm not saying that this is the reason why, why Villa are struggling struggling this season because clearly that's on the manager, that's on the coaching staff, that's on the recruitment committee to do it. But I just think that it's such a nice idea that we can build this very steady kind of plan. You know, you've heard we've heard talk before, haven't we, about right, you don't sack the manager and just keep chopping and changing and getting it flitting from one different kind of manager to another. You want to get a structure in place whereby you've got a director of football, and when you get rid of a manager for whatever reason, you can bring somebody else in of a similar, you know, with a similar similar philosophy. I don't think Villa ever is ever the kind of club that would allow that to grow. Well, we've seen that Dean Smith was supposed to be that, I guess, to somebody who's been here for a couple of years and then he has this today, he has a poor end to the back end of his season. He starts his season poorly as well and he's sacked and rightly so at the time, I think. You know, everyone was calling for it and then, you know, we look where we are now and think maybe not. Um but we we took a departure from what we were doing under Dean Smith. You go know, for an inexperienced manager and you say, here's a load of money and buy players who are ready to go now and people like Dean and Coutinho and that's not worked either. So it's not like we've replaced Dino with a similar similar mould and still kept the same kind of structure going. We've kind of gone, mm, that didn't quite work, let's change it all and that's also not worked. Yeah. And now we're back at square one going, right, like you said um, like on Sunday or Monday, like this continuous improvement thing. And we're not seeing that. So by the own words that the owners and, and Christian Perzo set themselves to Dean Smith last year, they surely have to follow suit and go, well, we have to set Jack Gerrard for exactly the same reasons. Yeah. We've talked about this. So like I said, we're going around and around in circles. <laughs> I don't know what more I can say. What do you want me to say? No, it, it, it's right. It's right. And it's it comes to that, that stage now where I think I've, I've never known... <laughs> A, it's hard. It's hard to gauge, isn't it? Because we're still kind of taking a lot of our taking the temperature a lot from from what's happening on social media. I mean, the boos at Villa Park were a clear indication. You know, the boo those boos weren't just for. I might have said this whatever the other day, but those boos weren't just for a kind of fairly tepid second half performance against West Ham. Those boos were in the context of the start of the season in the context of the last four or five months of last season. Mm-hmm. But I think I've never known after five games, the, I don't know, the, almost the levels of frustration, annoyance, people saying we need a change so quickly. That's, that's remarkable. And I, I don't know. Than that, those people saying things like after game three. I don't know how this manager comes back from that because I don't think, you know, with Dean Smith, there's always that kind of sentimental pull that people almost resisted kind of becoming Dino out because of who he was, because of what he'd done, because of the ambassador he was for our football club, because of the way he'd... Almost, I think I've said it before, he was the kind of the Graham Taylor, you know, the the Graham Taylor of this generation in terms Mm -hmm. of the way he got Aston Villa back on track and restored our pride and stuff like that. I'm just worried whether he's actually been followed by the Joseph Fenglos of our generation, um, which is 
an absolute kind of just an absolute 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 nightmare. Um, but there's nothing nothing to convince me otherwise at the moment. Mm. You know, that's, that's mismanagement at the highest level, isn't it? To appoint a manager who's clearly not ready. Yeah, and you know, this is and again, I've said on on on. I can't remember what day it was Sunday. I said on Sunday after the West Ham game that I felt like a mug for being swept along by pre-season optimism based on very little. Um, mm. And I probably feel like a, a, a little bit of a mug at the moment being swept along by early Stephen Gerrard fever when I thought, you know, he, he came and said all the right things. His press conference, his, his, his unveiling press conference, I thought he was very, you know, showed somebody who meant business, who was determined to, to to get Villa on the right track. He was respectful to to Liverpool, but he was even more respectful to Villa and the, and the job in hand. And some of his early press conference, I thought, yeah, he's got some kind of spark and some kind of swagger, which, yes, I know I know Stephen Gerrard from afar, given what we, we, we'd seen in his playing career. But I actually like the idea of him being, being the manager of my football club. You know, Got off to a flyer, got half a dozen results that almost kind of put us safe within mm. that first couple of months. And then we thought, show me more, show me more. And then it sounded like I'm singing a song from Greece then. <laughs> <laughs> and then. And then we got, then we said, well, hang on, okay, this is still Dean Smith's squad. He hasn't had a preseason, so we've got to accept it's going to be a little bit blow hot and cold. Mm. And then, then we, what we signed two players, did we? Within forty-eight hours, or within within a week of the season, the season ending, and that really cranked up the, the excitement level. We now sit here at ten past ten on August the thirty-first, um, which is, you know, probably what twenty-five hours before the transfer deadline. Now, a what kind of what what kind of recruitment would you need to really? breathe some life into that squad in the next 25 hours. What kind of players are available at what price? And how much do you trust the manager um, to go out and get them and to bring them in when you're probably not not really safe in the knowledge? You know, you probably bring somebody in on a, on a four-month loan and probably think that he might have a longer shelf life than the manager at the moment. Uh, well, the quick answer to those questions is very expensive. You probably need three or four players in, a, in an ideal dream world scenario to really drastically improve the side. And I've got zero trust in Gerard to make the right signings. But if we do go out and spend money tomorrow or get players in, you're at least thinking, well, the club have got the players. It's not Steven Gerard. They'll still be here after he goes, if he goes, when he goes. And we can hopefully still build a decent side. And, well, you know, you look at a lot of stuff about the Arsenal Arteta stuff, and even Gerald mentioned it in a, in a presser about you know, a bad start. Look at them now, and all this kind of thing. But we're not the same. <laughs> we're using that as a good kind of excuse to stick up for Gerald a little bit at the start of the season. But we are not the same as Arsenal in any way, shape, or form. The Newcastle one is slightly more of a comparison. They, they were winless for twelve games or something, and they, they changed the manager. And Eddie Howe got the best out of the players that were already there. They haven't spent silly money. I've spent a lot of money, of course, but not the money that everyone thought they would. Spending two hundred million in January and all these predictions, they got the best out of what was already there. Well, and I went on to finish. I went on to finish a filler. Yeah, Gerard hasn't been able to get the best out of what's already here because there is still some, still lots of talent in that squad. And you know, I don't don't want to don't want to dig out little Phil um, Coutinho too much because I was drooling over him, wasn't I? After a couple of games last season, you know, almost kind of you know 
drawing little hearts on the back of my exercise book, you know, Matt loves Phil and all this kind of stuff. So he doesn't suddenly become a terrible player. But if the Gerard factor is what is attracted the likes of Coutinho and Luca Dean and, and and players, you know, the other new players, you know, Kamara to Aston Villa. Christ, if that's what if that's what Coutinho plays like for a manager who he really loves and really wants to be with. Imagine what he imagine what he'd be like with a manager he doesn't doesn't like. You know, it's that's on Gerard. That's on Gerard to bring the best the best out of these players. Um, mm. oh, mate, it's so frustrating. So this so is frustrating. what John said it uh, on the one of the last podcasts he was on about. You know, you're so well and good spending forty million on Colin Gallagher on deadline day because you're in a bit, a bit of a panic and feel like you need another body and. Yes, that would improve the sides at the moment. I don't, I don't believe in any of the players, to be honest. Anyone we bring in should make an improvement. Um, but you've still got to get the best out of what's already there. A good coach would get way more out of these players. A good coach wouldn't be 19th after five games. So there's part of blame on, on Gerrard's, part of blame on the coach and stuff, and there's part of the blame on the players as well for not being able to 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 do it amongst themselves and be, and be playing this basic system that, that doesn't doesn't even work and we can't just create a bit of magic out of nowhere and, and fluke a goal or hold on to a, to a point or something and really grind it out. We're just, just weak all across the board at every level. But, you know, we've got a flashy new North Stand coming in and a, a nice club, club shop to, to worry about and a nice new third. Yeah, they're all really well and good for own. the club going forward, but at the, this point I want, to win, I want to win some football games. Yeah, I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive. I don't, I don't yeah, think not, Villa, you know Villa I mean. can be blamed for wanting to kind of, you know, give Villa Park a bit of a facelift and want to act like a big club. I think that the big thing for me is what's yeah, but the that, plan? That, what? that stadium will be very difficult to build if we're relegated this season, is my point. And I don't think we will get relegated, but if nothing changes, we're on relegation form in terms of the points, points per game over the course of a calendar year. So you've got these grand plans that you want to take Villa forward. So on the pitch has to be coherent with that. You have to succeed on the pitch to make the things off the pitch work financially. So they do go hand in hand. I'm not saying don't build the North Stand because Stephen Gerrard isn't working out as manager. I don't mean that. But, you know, it's a frustrating thing as a fan because, first of all, we go to the football to win football games and everything else follows off the back of that. Yeah. You know, the, we've seen some fairly impressive, interesting plans for, for the North Stand. Let's see some fairly impressive, interesting plans for, for the football team. Um, exactly, yeah. That's, that's what's most in need of a kind of a facelift. And, and I think I said the other day, it's another of me forcing my analogies, but it's almost like um, Aston Villa want, want to be a Michelin-starred restaurant um, and they're source, sourcing the ingredients, the finest ingredients from Harrods and, and whatever, you know, whatever fine food merchants that they can. But the chef has got no idea what he wants to cook, let alone how, you, how he wants to cook it. You know what I mean? It's almost, yes, they want to act like a big club, but... <laughs> The big key thing to acting like a big club is having a competitive, you know, winning football team. Um, we look a million miles away from that at the moment. Do you think we are in a relegation battle? Yeah, I think we are. I think we are yeah. because you, you're probably looking, you know, you're looking at, at three points from, from 18 and then the pressure cranks up even more. Um, remind me, is it Southampton and Leicester? Mm-hmm. After that, I don't think any of those are, are gimmies particularly. I know Leicester have have started pretty sluggishly as well, uh, but I don't I don't think any of those those games are gimmies. And then you get to having played what eight games, eight games international break, and 
you know, we know that the, the, this is going to be another break fairly early in the in the season um, as well with the World Cup. And I just think you get stuck in a rut. We've seen mm. it. You just, just it's, it becomes suffocating because not only not only is the football plan and the philosophy and the, the way of winning games non-existent, non-existent, hence the start to the season, but confidence the mood of the fans, all those things become an issue. And that just swirls around and, like I said, makes the makes the laboratory conditions e- even worse and even harder for a team to thrive. Um, mm. So, yeah, we, we're absolutely in a relegation fight. I know it's only five games in. Uh, let's hope the relegation fight only lasts for another five or six games and we, we've got points on the board and we can, you know, we there's a gap between us and the, and the also-rounds in the division. Uh, mm. At the moment, there might be a gap between us and the also runs in the, also runs in the division, but we might be very, very bottom. Um, we've seen it, haven't we? We've seen it all too recently um, with a bleak 2015-16 season. So I don't think we are being massive doom mongers in that sense. We just we're speaking from bitter experience. Mm, I, th- I would look at Villa and still look go. They're too good to go down. Similar, the people were saying things like the same about Everton last year, and they just about survived, and, and again look poor this season. But those kind of things don't last forever, do they? When you go, oh, they're too, they're too good to go down because again, Aston Villa have already done it once before. We were a lot poorer then. There, there is talent in this side. So currently, of course, we're in a relegation box because we're nineteenth. <laughs> We've got three points. So I think over the over the course of the season, we will, we'll, we'll sack Gerald, won't we? At some point, if it doesn't get any better, and that should hopefully give us the boost we need to at least get to forty points which is, that shouldn't be what this season was about. It shouldn't be about survival, but I think most people now will go, well, if we finish 14th and 43 points, we'd all go, yeah, okay. I'll take that. Yeah, I'm not sure kind of last last day um, survival Sunday when we, we scrape to 39 points is quite the continuous improvement that Mr. Perslow had in mind. Uh, hmm. But like you said, looking at it right now, <laughs> that seems, I wouldn't say it's his best case scenario, but it seems... A better case scenario than, than what could possibly happen. There's over a thousand people watching, which is one of our most viewed episodes live. Um, it's quarter past ten on a Wednesday night. So thank you very much for joining us. Obviously, there's a lot of people, rightly so, very angry and very disappointed with, with what, what's happening. I want to ask a comment to a question to the comments though. Gerard in or Gerard out? It's one word. I just want to see what what the majority is. I know what the majority is going to be, but I wonder what the rough kind of percentage is. Is there anyone who is Gerard in at this point? Or is it inevitable that a change has to be made at some point? I asked you, Matt, on the last episode, do you have faith in Gerard to be the one to turn it around at some point? Is there anything you've seen that makes you go, mm, okay, there is something there? I assume there's nothing today the way you thought, yeah, there is that. It's This is this is very much clutching, clutching at straws. And I don't get battered in the comments by saying people thinking I'm an apologist for Gerard because I'm certainly not. Um, if you're asking me for a slight glimmer based on tonight, it was probably the fact that we didn't get absolutely thrashed out of sight. Although I think we did. Well, we should have been. You know, somebody said earlier about scoreline. Yeah, like um, we could have been three 0 down at half time. And the only other thing that I take as a slight, slight glimmer, and this just shows how low my standards and expectations have fallen for Aston Villa. For an Aston Villa team, I tipped to finish eighth or ninth this season. And the only other thing is having seen some of the pathetic running stats. It's like pathetic running stats. Christ, I'd love to get around a bit like that. <laughs> in context of professional of course, athletes, yeah. I've seen some of the running stats and the, where Villa rank compared to some of their competitors. I haven't seen the stats for tonight, but I've actually seen a team that was prepared to run and chase 
albeit chasing shadows of players and, and a team that was much better than them. Those would be the absolute glimmers. But again, we've said this before, Dan, that's a bare minimum. Hmm. You know, that's yeah, I'm, not, you... I'm not sitting here at this point and praising footballers for running around. It's a job. Do you know what I mean? What What is there to praise about that? 11 men run around after the ball. Yeah, listen, I'm, like I said I'm, earlier, I'm, chasing shadows, it's all kind of irrelevant anyway. What are they, what are they supposed to do? Stand around. I can't praise what? footballers for for putting minimum bare effort in. Bare minimum effort, sorry. That, no, that's, listen, that's the minimum requirement. I can't praise that. I'm clutching, mate. I'm clutching. Yeah, I know, I know. You, you're trying to, you know, give me a bit of balance. I understand that. Um, my feed here shows about 15 comments in, in a block and it absolutely flew through just then when I said about in or out there must have been two or three hundred comments come through and I was scanning them briefly and I maybe saw five in out of, out of that and obviously like I said there's a thousand people watching they're not going to be a thousand Villa fans so those ins could be Blues fans or whatever so the overwhelming majority probably 98% is is Gerald out um, and I don't see any other solution, to be honest. If, like I said, if you beat Man City, I change my tune. You get something out of Southampton or Leicester, and, and we look like we're going to, you know, suddenly, oh, I don't even believe what I'm saying. <laughs> we won't, will we? I'm not even going to make an excuse that we say we might go and pick something up in the next three games because there's obviously nothing in the first five to suggest we do. So we'll, we'll lose Man City, and then if he's still here, there's every chance we lose the next one. And if he's still here, there's every chance we lose the next one. And, and then we go on to he's eventually sacked. So you might as well sack him tonight for me. I'm just looking. I've made a mistake of clicking on the, the button that's uh, the tab that says comments. And um, it's predictably bleak, isn't it? And I don't blame any, absolutely anybody um, who's coming on there and, and, and saying they're done with it, to be honest. Um I blame Dirty Pixels for saying get Brucey back, but I think he's uh, <laughs> there's probably a little bit of irony or sarcasm there. Um, you know, we've spoken before, haven't we? Not about not really wanting to debate somebody's successor too much while they're mm. while they're currently in situ in their job. I mean, what again? Throw this open to the comments, and we've seen some of it anyway. Some of the suggestions, but if if you had a choice, if you had to put two managers down in terms of the optimum one, and I don't mean optimum in terms of you know Klopp or Guardiola or whatever, <laughs> but I mean kind of a good quality standard one, <laughs> and below that a realistic one. What mm. would people's two two names be? Because obviously we hear we hear Potter and, and, and Pochettino as the ones who are probably kind of in the optimum pot. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just, like I said, I don't, don't want to kind of sign Gerard's death warrant um, before it's. I'm not going to kill him. Steady on. No, no. P forty five. Managerially speaking, <laughs> but I don't know what what do people think about Rogers. Uh, exactly. When you just said the two, I thought you were going to say like Poch is the elite and Pochettino is the the achieved one, or, or vice versa. And I was thinking Rogers is probably the achievable, and I still think well, Rogers will be a, a good shout about. as well. About Rogers and whether it's because Rogers is fresh in my mind today because I've been tweeting about the tenth anniversary of signing Christian Benteke and it always reminds me of when Ty Bracey um, <laughs> did an impression, yeah. did a really dodgy impression of Brendan Rogers to convince Benteke's <laughs> agent he was him. But I don't know. I just Rogers. I wanted Rogers when oh Christ, when would it have been? Might have been when we got Dino <laughs> actually. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think Rogers 
Somebody said Rogers in the comments here that Rogers does well for two or three years and then implodes. I'll, I'll take, take two that. or three good years at the moment, to be honest, because we can't even get to we can't get to nine or ten months with, before imploding at this point. So yeah, I'll I'll just, I'm just that. talking. Listen, he wouldn't be my first choice, but I'm just talking about potentially gettable. I think yeah. he would be. I think he would be potentially gettable. I think he would have enough about him, enough gravitas to try and get a tune out of that squad. Uh, no denying the fact that the fella loves himself. You know, if he was chocolate, he'd eat himself. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what, what kind of feedback have we had in the comments. Poch, Pochettino, Potter. That's what he said, Dean Smith. There's a few shouts for Sean Dyche, which when I first heard the name, I was like, oh, no. That's, you know, that's Sam Allardyce, that kind of mould. But there is part of me that goes, oh, what will Sean Dyche do with a good squad and some money? Because he's, he's done well with Burnley on the bare bones and survived in, in the league where they absolutely shouldn't for a couple of seasons. But at least you get the basics right. And I don't know whether that's just where my standards have fallen to at this point, that if he makes us defensively sound and we win a few games here and there and finish mid-table, would I take that? Probably, yeah. Um, but long-term, is Dice the answer? Probably not. But again, the Chief boy's out of the job. Although I did hear someone say he's quite enjoying not being a manager at the moment and going to the pub with his mates and being a normal bloke and stuff like that. So I don't know if he'd even come out of not retirement, but out of not you know, come out of being out of work. Um, I think he'll probably be Bournemouth manager, won't he? Before, yeah, Everton again. I think he'll a good fit of Everton for Dyche, probably. Yeah, but yeah, it's like you said before, there's no point speculating about the next manager when Stephen Gerald is still here, and there is still that part of me that is a fan of the club. And if he does turn it around, I would support him. But I just, I can't, can't even see him turning it around. So while he's still here and he still wears the current blue tie, he's part of Aston Villa. So you. We don't have a choice. Do it's not up to you and me. It's not up to any of us watching. But I don't think anyone believes he'll turn it around. So it's just we're waiting for the never done, aren't we? Really? And at some point, you'd imagine we'll be doing a podcast that says Stephen Gerrard sacked in the title because it feels inevitable. I just don't know when that will be. Is it going to be tomorrow? Will it be three weeks? Is it two months? I can feel it will happen at some point. I'd have thought so. Um, I mean, far away from me to change this the, this podcast back to talking about the Arsenal game. <laughs> Just, just briefly, just briefly. What, what did you think about the the goals conceded and the and the goal scored? Because I know that Chris Sutton on the commentary was digging out Martinez um, mm. a little bit for the way he kind of parried the ball to Jesus. I thought Martinez also pulled off a couple of cracking cracking saves as well uh, as part of a kind of you know backs to the wall performance from the defence at times. But I don't know. What did you think? I mean, the yeah. goal, goals were going to come, weren't they? In one shape or another. Yeah, like we said at the start, it was inevitable that we'd end up losing tonight. And it, it could have been one of those games that was a four or five nil quite quite easily. And it probably should have been two or three at half time. He's made a couple of good saves. I think one of the saves that was that was decent was probably going wide anyway, but it's still a good save. And then, but then it's almost not really worth anything if you parry it out to Jesus and it's game over at one nil, isn't it? So. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. Is it even worth talking about it? Is it worth analysing Emma Martinez's role in all this? Feels, oh, it just feels no, no. futile, doesn't it? 43 minutes into this conversation. I just wanted to change the subject away about from talking about... Oh, change the subject about football entirely. Let's just talk about anything else. I don't want to go back to the Arsenal game. If you don't want to talk about Gerald anymore, just give me anything else. What's your favourite well, crisps or something? I want to get finished soon because I want to watch um, the new episode of Better Call Saul. Um, mm. But I don't, want any, I don't want any spoilers. Have you watched them all? I finished it yesterday. It was my day off yesterday, so I finished it. I had about two or three episodes. I finished it. It's very good. 
it's worth is it worth me what I'm only gonna watch, I've watched the first one of the latest batch last night. Mm. I'm gonna watch the second one tonight. Was that from the mid season break or you mean the first of the new series? The first of the <laughs> people still with us. Was there some released in the last couple of weeks? There was like seven and then they had a break and then there was like another six another or whatever. five or something. That I've mm. watched the, the first of those most recent five. Right, yeah. People so don't like, need to know this. No, so like I just said, I'd rather talk about this than, <laughs> than the football. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just let's call it. What's the point? <laughs> What's the yeah, point? I'm done. But, um, it is transfer deadline today. I'll ask you that quickly just to talk again back to football because there's still a thousand people watching, so I do feel like I need to go back to something that you know at least makes sense to the current podcast. Um, signings tomorrow. How many do we need? How many do you think will happen? Any names that you'd like to say? Do you care? It's really awkward, isn't it? It's really, really awkward because you just think you put put the best players out there into a system that is no system and they could soon become headless chickens. So I don't know. I really, I really don't know. Like I said, I got a bit dewy eyed thinking about the 10th year anniversary of, of Ben Teke and, you know, what a kind of, you know, without sounding like Bonnie Tyler, we're kind of holding out for a hero, aren't we? Um, again, and I don't see it from, it sounds really silly because we've, we're five games in, but, I don't see it. I don't see that kind of spark of inspiration from from within what mm. we've got. So we probably do need to reach out and get get some something fresh in. But it's not a very Villa thing to do, is it? To 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 do the panicked um, kind of deadline day signings now, really. Um, well, it was supposed to be all you know, get your signings done early and get them in for pre-season. We don't want to be faffing around on on deadline day. We want to be ready by then. We want to be on nine points from the first few games. And now here we are going, Conor Gallagher, fifty million. Yeah, go on then. Yeah, it's desperate. Well, there's, there's clearly some some money available to to spend. Otherwise, they wouldn't have wouldn't have, have been close to getting signed, would they? A couple of weeks ago. So there's clearly clearly something there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of moving deck chairs around on the Titanic mm. at the moment. I'd like us to do something because it just shows that we, we're doing something, that we've been active uh, and that, that we want to change the, this. But whether whether you trust a, a new signing to, to go into that squad and, and make a difference, I'm, I'm very, very cynical, as you can tell. Mm. Yeah, I'm done. We're, we're, we'll be working tomorrow anyway, talking about whatever happens. So if we do sign any players, we'll be doing Facebook lives and podcasts about them anyway. So let's just talk about it when it happens. It's half 10 on a Wednesday night. We'll have just lost. I've kind of lost the will to live as well, to be honest. Um, there's still over a thousand people watching, which is brilliant. So everyone, thank you very much for tuning in. Loads and loads of comments as well, uh, which I do appreciate. I've tried to you know, not flash as many up as, as I can, but they're coming in so quickly. But we have had, had an eye on them. I, Matt, I would avoid you looking at them because there might be some better call source spoilers and people who are, are naughty. But um... no, that's fine. I've, I've just seen one thing in there, just just quickly, just saying somebody asking to salute El Ghazi. Oh um, uh, yeah, well, we, me and John talked about it on Facebook earlier. A little ode to El Ghazi, but I'll give you the floor and, and you can talk about him. Yeah, I, I put a message on social media earlier that you know, hold my hands up, and um, it's to my shame that. When Al Ghazi signed on loan in the August 2018, I think it was. Um, I was more excited about the winger who signed on loan a couple of days earlier, um, Yannick Balassi. Um, oh, God. <laughs> who, 
Yeah, I did also go on and tweet that at least Yannick Balassi gave us the famous line, Yannick on the streets of Birmingham, uh, which is a famous <laughs> kind of, well, a, a little bit of a, a variation on a Smith's lyric. Um, but yeah, El Ghazi, you know, he's, all, he's, I don't know, he's the kind of kind of fella you'd, you'd, you'd take up to meet your mum. Um, <laughs> it just seems like such a, such a, I don't know, he seemed to be low maintenance, reliable, capable of some big moments. He's obviously kind of inked his inked his name indelibly into Aston Villa folklore by mm-hmm. by scoring the goal or one of the goals that's that's got us back into the Premier League, albeit for a couple of seasons anyway. We'll we'll, we'll come back to that. Um but yeah, just you know, I always joked on about the Pamenka and giving it giving it loads to the goalie at Barrow uh, as another as another special moment. But I've never known a kind of penalty taker as as reliable and as as, as deadly as him. Um, I don't think he was good enough for where we thought we were going to be this season. He's probably, as ironically, he's probably good enough to be where we are. Uh, and a few places higher, um, especially especially with a team that's. I think again, I joke that must train on a narrow boat because we've got no width at the moment. I think Al Ghazi probably could, for where we are, probably could have stayed along and, and, and played a part as a squad player. But I think he, he probably feels that his time is time has, has been and gone. But yeah, just just wish him just wish him all the best because I think he's been he's been a great servant for us um, during the during the, the four years that he's been with us. And he, it's been quite an epic four years for one reason or another. Um, and I hope he goes and goes and te- tears it up, tears it up in Holland. Hmm. Yeah, nicely said. Uh, I'm going to end it with a comment from a guy called Liam. who said, Matt, you should sack this guy. He's too negative and shallow-minded. He lets you down. So what I will end this podcast with is by saying, well, let's go and beat Man City then. Let's be positive and optimistic for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Well, um, can we just have it? a show of hands in the comments? Rollington in or Rollington out? <laughs> Right, let's not do that. That's great for my mental well-being, isn't it? Rolling it out in all the comments. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can't be, if you've got to be overly positive over Aston Villa being nineteenth in the Premier League after five games, then I don't know. Maybe football isn't for me after all. Um, Matt, thank you very much for calling. Uh, calling as you see it on tonight's podcast, appreciated, and thanks to all the comments as well. Loads of ins and outs already. <laughs> oh God, there's some outs. Bloody hell. Um, yeah, I mean, if I, if I was out, there'd be no podcast. So, yeah, stick that up here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for watching the Climate Blue Cup podcast. Oh, I've lost my head. It's time to go. Uh, thank you for watching. We'll be back at some point tomorrow on Deadline Day if Villa happen to sign a player or not, whoever that may be. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on all our social channels for that. And it's the build up to Man City where we're obviously going to win uh, 10 0, aren't we? Because let's be positive. So, Dan, cheers for watching. You, um, oh, could God. you just work on a kind of corner flag graphic with um, Current Blue Statement? You don't need to worry about it. You can just get, okay. get that prepared for me. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I'll sell that straight away now because I'm such a hard worker. I'll do it right now. Um, yeah, cheers everyone for watching. We'll catch up again tomorrow. Uh, up the villa as always. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.